Thanks for listening to the podcast from Jonathan Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Good morning, good morning. Man, it's good to see y'all. It's always good to be back here with y'all. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Adam. Uh, Pastor Jonathan is um, out today. So I got to prepare with Pastor Gary over at the Wilson campus this week, I'm filling in for Finney, and he'll be back next week, I believe. Um, I'm going to drink this water before my voice sounds like this the whole time. I'm bringing weird energy today, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> so you're, you're a weird energy kind of people, though. I like it. That's what, I, always, I always like coming back here and getting to be with y'all. Y'all, y- y- the feeling when I come here is like that really cool cousin you don't get to see enough, but like whenever you go over to their house, it's awesome. That's how I always feel it. You also have a magic trick y'all do where I'll go to pray before like worship starts and then the lights all go out and there's like four of you and then the lights come back up and there's like 108 of you. So <laughs> you're also, I guess, the cousin is late to everything. <laughs> so we are in week seven of our Renovate series. I'm going to continue off the, where Jonathan was working. Um, our series theme verse, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart With all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Today we're going to talk about renovating our soul. The soul is a weird thing. We, uh, we, Pastor Gary and I, we went back and forth and back and forth to try to kind of even like explain the soul. I think we, we, everybody kind of has a little bit maybe of a different idea of what the soul is. So we're like, okay, we're renovating the soul. What even is the soul? And we kind of, we broke uh, most of it down into um, the, uh, so, so the, the, the idea of you have, you have mind, you have body, you have heart, there's society around you, and you have soul. And those are kind of your, your inputs into the world. Your soul is sort of ultimately, uh, Dr. Dallas Willard describes it this way. The soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. It is the life center of a human being. Therefore, we must be mindful of our souls to acknowledge them. In spiritual formation and transformation, it is necessary to take the soul seriously and deal with it regularly and intelligently. Take it seriously, deal with it regularly and intelligently. So if we're going to take it seriously, deal with it regularly and intelligently, what even is it? How do we do do it? What even is it? Let's ground rules for that. George MacDonald has a great quote, actually. I think this pretty much sums it up. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. Does that make sense? You don't have a soul that lives in your body. You, have, you are a soul that is currently contained in a body. Your soul is you. It's just, it's you. It's your whole you. It's the breath of life given to you by God. That's what the soul is. It's, it's the, the thing that makes you different from all the other animals that God created. He created them all. In Genesis 2, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, 
And man became a living soul. Man became a living soul at that moment. He had formed man, gave him a body, and the minute he breathed life into him, he became a living soul. This is sort of gender-specific language. If you expound on that, we all know that he also then looked at man and said, it's not good for man to be alone, so he made woman as well. So, ladies, you're not left out of this. God made you to breathe life into you too. You have a soul too. I like that part because he, he makes a uh, man, and then he's like, oh, this dude shouldn't be by himself. <laughs> he needs somebody to take care of him, get him right. He's a mess. So you don't have a soul. You are a soul. Augustine says it this way. I think this, this pretty much sums up, I think this actually sums up a good deal of understanding of, of why we're like, man, why am I like this? Or why is society like this? I think this quote is actually brilliant in summing that up very, very shortly. You have made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. You have made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. So that to me explains a lot of how I feel because I'm always working and stuff never works out. I'm always trying to get it right. I'm trying to get it fixed and it always falls apart again. And I always get agitated because things aren't quite right. They're not the way they're supposed to be and my house keeps falling apart. Y'all, I got water coming through my roof. Roof's supposed to stop water. And, and so, yeah, you can get like that. And then if you zoom out, we look at society. We'll stay with American society, but if you zoom all the way out, it's like this all the way across the planet, that, that everybody is agitated. Everybody's tired. Quick show of hands, is there anybody in this room that's not kind of fatigued all the time, tired all the time, like, like you're carrying weight, like you're walking uphill all the time? If you are, that's cool. Good on you. I'm not. You have made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And that's what's wrong with most of it, is we're all trying to fix it. In society, we're trying to legislate, make it all right, make the right set of laws, and this set of laws makes these people mad, and so then we make another set of laws, and then that makes these other people mad. And we keep trying to fix it and figure out, like, why is none of this working? Because we're trying to fix it. Why is my life not right right now? Because I'm trying to fix it. You are a soul. You are a soul. You were made from God. You were made by God. You were made for God. And your heart will be restless until it finds its rest in God. Psalm 31, verse 9 and 10. This pretty much kind of sums up how I feel and I think how our world feels right now. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. 
My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. How true that lament rings. Are you mindful of your soul? Are you mindful of the deepest, deepest, deepest part of you? Do you spend a lot of energy kind of covering it up and putting band-aids all over everything and just kind of hiding, shoving all the, the pain, the hurt, the anger, just kind of shoving it under the bed, trying to get it out of the view of everybody? Do you really take time to nourish your soul, to renovate your soul, to rest your soul? Is your soul withering because you forgot about it? Because you, this is Rocky Mount Campus, so all of you have 200 kids in your family. I don't know how y'all have so many kids. Nobody here just stopped at one. I stopped at one. It's the best. I only had to potty train one time. Whenever I need other kids, y'all got kids. I just steal them for a little bit and then give them back. She so don't have anybody to fight with. <laughs> Are you trying to take care of your family so much that you're not taking care of your soul? Are you trying to take care of your job? Make sure you please your boss so you don't lose your job instead of taking care of your soul? Is your soul withering? Do you have an addiction that's draining the strength out of your soul and you keep it hidden, maybe even from your family? You even try to hide it from God sometimes? Good luck with that. It's cool. He knows. You can be honest with him. So how do we get rest? How do we heal our souls? How do we help them recover? The Gospel of Matthew, Jesus invites his hearers to come to him and rest and renovate their souls. We can go to Jesus Accept his invitation to rest and renovate our souls. How do we do that? Let's check it out. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. If you want to pop it up on your biblical devices or you got training wheels up there on the screen if you didn't bring a biblical device. Come to me, all of you who are weary. Sorry, let me, I have a different version here. So let me read the actual words that you're going to see on your screen. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I see here this is a three-part invitation that Christ extends to us. Come to me, all who are all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. God bless the reading of his word, amen. So we got a three-part invitation. The first invitation Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. 
I didn't have to dig very far to find that one. Check out the first three words. Come to me. My job is done. Being a preacher is easy. You just read these words and then say them again. Come to me. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. Let's check out a couple. There's a couple of words here that, that seem pretty surface level. They seem pretty self-explanatory. They're actually, they're a little interesting. I don't know if you're a word nerd like me, but they're, they're interesting words. I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek. Uh, I don't speak Greek. I do have them written down here in pronunciation and in Greek, which is just this. I don't know why they put that in. It's just this. They, I don't think Greek people knew how to write. They just did the thing that like two-year-olds do when they pretend to write. Somehow, though, they have the most precise language on earth, so maybe, maybe I'm an idiot. So let's check out a couple of words here. Um, labor, all who labor. So this word is actually an interesting word uh, because it's a, it's a present active participle. Ignore participle, it just basically means they took a verb and made a different kind of language out of it. So that's just a big weird word. So ignore that one. But present and active, those two I can kind of I can kind of understand. I can get behind. Present and active means it's happening now. It's currently happening. It's happening right now, all the time, right now. So it, this idea of laboring, it's not like I've labored all week. I get home on Friday. I'm tired. It's like I'm still laboring. Does that make sense? So it's not a past tense word. It's not all who have labored. It's all who labor right now. I, in in my brain, I picture like the guy in the middle of the ocean just doggy paddling for his life, laboring, exhausted, but can't stop. And are heavy laden. So this word is a perfect passive participle. Again, ignore the funny sounding word. Passive. So this is the other side of the spectrum. This is the guy that like his ceiling fell on him and he's trapped, he's stuck. He can't move. He's exhausted from laboring, and now it's just like the weight of the world has him flat. He can't get up. The bookshelf fell on him, and there's nobody around to help him, and it's too heavy, so he just is going to lay there just trying to keep breathing while this weight that he can't overcome is there. So those are two different sides of the spectrum of this thing. Are you, take a quick inventory, are you on the side of just fighting all the time, fighting all the time, fighting all the time, you're exhausted, you're exhausted, but you're fighting all the time, fighting all the time, or are you on the other side where the weight just is too much and you've just collapsed and now you're just like, oh, I mean, whatever. What, what, are you, what even is left to do? In both cases, Jesus says, come to me. He understands. He sees it. He feels it. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Give you rest here is an interesting word. Again, the way they, the way they wrote it, keeping all the, the, the word nerd stuff away. The simplest way to think about it is it actually is written as a, as a thing he's doing to you. So it's not like I will make the opportunity for you to rest. It's not I will make space for you to have a chance to rest. He's like, I will rest you, if that makes any sense. So I will give you rest. It, it's that. It's, a, it's an active thing that he's doing. Does that make sense? It's a little nuance, but I always... When I think about give, like my ability to rest, I think about it like I get a chance to pause life and I lay on the couch and watch Netflix or whatever. 
I don't lay on the couch and watch Netflix. Y'all know me. I can't sit still. I stand in my living room and watch Netflix like with my arm like feet like this. So it's come to me. I'll, I'll rest you. Does that make any sense? So just the, the instant you get to him, he's like, now I got you. That's the invitation. Luke 9 And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. This part right here, also, just come to me. Come to me. Same language is used. What's interesting about that part, and it's also in the first part, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, is in order to go to Jesus, you have to leave where you were. Does that make sense? So, Whatever it is you're fighting with, struggling with, leave that part. Just go to God. Just go to Christ. That's his invitation. Leave where you are. Come to me. Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Jesus also recognizes a need for us to get away. Are any of you good at finding times to unplug, to get away? Are you all just working 120 hours a week and then you get home and your 200 kids all have dirty laundry? <laughs> My kid does her own laundry. <laughs> Mark 6. And he said to them, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. We think of desolate. It's, got a, it's an interesting word. And you can kind of, it, it, it tends to be like, you kind of think about it like a scary negative word, like, like abyssal, like, like a wasteland. And that's kind of that's the idea. It's, it's an area where there's nothing else. He says, come be with me and just be with me. Don't bring, don't bring the city with you. Don't bring your truck of stuff with you. Just come with me, just you and me, and nothing else. That's his invitation there. I will give you rest. Leave the labor back on shore. Leave the heavy burden back on shore. Just get in the boat and come with me. Leave everything else. I think about the, the story, I like the story where uh, Jesus is, is getting his guys, he's, getting, he's, he's drafting his team, he's getting his guys together, he's doing his like, field scouting report. And I feel like he knew who he was coming for. I don't feel like he had to scout too hard. But he's getting his guys together, and he sees these fishermen out in the boat. And they've been fishing and fishing and fishing and fishing, they got nothing. And he says, hey, throw your nets back in. And they're like, Dude, I'm tired. That sound familiar? I've been working. That sound familiar? Come on, man. I'm exhausted. I've been laboring. Now I'm heavy laden. He's like, ah, just, 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 just give it a go. And without spoiling the story too much, not only did, it, not only did they catch some fish, if you don't know, they catch too many fish 
They catch lots and lots of fish, and then their nets start breaking, and then other people bring their boats over to help them pull the fish out, and then their boats start sinking. There's so many fish, he's sinking like an armada of these fishing vessels. These are professional fisher guys. But when God speaks, it's better than a professional anything doing whatever it is. He's better just by being at whatever you think you're good at. He's so much better at it just by being. He has everything. Everything is his. So your labor is unnecessary. Come to me and I will rest you. That heavy burden you don't think you can carry, he doesn't even notice it. Come to me, and I will rest you. Will you go to Jesus? Wherever you are in your life right now? Maybe you pray every day. Maybe you're in the Bible every day. That's, that's great. Are you fighting? Are you struggling with that labor? That heavy burden? Lay it down. Get even closer to God. Even closer to Jesus. His invitation is for you too. The second invitation, submit to Jesus. Submit to Jesus. You won't find the word submit here. What you'll find in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. The yoke. The yoke is, in case you're not a farm boy, I think this, the, the, it's like one or two more generations until like nobody knows what a yoke is. But a yoke is basically, it's a harness that you hook up to an animal to pull something. It's basically what it is. Generally speaking, there's two next to each other. Is that. You just hook it to one animal and that one, one animal and that one, and they can pull as a team. It's not super complicated. That's, that's the idea. They're big, they're cumbersome, they're heavy. Here's the thing. Notice the way he words this, take my yoke upon you. The language you might think of as it seems strange is, here, carry this big weight, if you think about putting a yoke on. Here, pull this cart, carry this big, carry this big weight. Because right now, I don't have a yoke, so if I put a yoke on, math mathematically speaking, even if it's not a super heavy yoke, it's still heavier than it was when it was nothing, right? The thing is, you do have a yoke. You are carrying, you are pulling something. You are pulling that baggage. There is something pulling you down. And the thing you're carrying is heavier than the one Christ has for you. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. We'll get to what that means in a second. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding, on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. That's why that, the word uh, easy, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's why it's, it's interesting language. Because I don't know if you've noticed, being a Christian doesn't make your life super much easier in terms of the, the day-to-day. I was, I was not a Christian for a long time. And I became a Christian, well, kind of. I played Christian, played church. And then I actually 
figured it out and became a Christian. And all three phases of, those li- of my life, I still had to make dinner and eat and stuff. I still had to go to work to get money to pay for a house and stuff. It didn't change my day-to-day all that much. But what it did do is lift the weight of my day-to-day. The yoke that he's talking about here, he uses it in a different place where he's actually talking about the law, the law being the yoke. So one way or the other, we're under a covenant with God. It's either the new covenant or the old covenant. whole bunch of stuff in the, back, the front half of this guy about how to live under the law. And we very famously know that none of us do that. We're not perfect. We fail. All men sin fall short of the glory of God. We all missed the law. So Christ is saying, if you're going to submit to the law, if the law is going to be the yoke you wear, it's heavy. You're going to break. You're not going to get there. You can't carry it. Instead, take my yoke, for it is light and easy. What would it feel like to walk with God in a way that we knew he was there all the time? I absolutely love this passage. You're going to know it the minute I start reading it. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There is nothing in this world that can break me. Not because I am strong, because God is, and I'm hanging on to dear, for dear life to him. I can't live a perfect life. I can't follow all these rules. I don't even know some of these rules. Some of them don't make any sense to me. I don't cut cheese and meat with two different knives. That seems weird. Seems unnecessary. I have a dishwasher. Maybe one day I'll get convicted in my kitchen and God will be like, no, 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 I really do need you to follow that one. And if he does, I'll do it. I don't have to do dishes anyway. My kid doesn't. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> My one kid that doesn't have anybody to fight with. <laughs> These yokes that we wear. Dr. Willard describes this as abandoning outcomes. Abandoning outcomes. The yokes that we wear are because we're trying to get a result. We're trying to accomplish a thing. And that thing is super, super, super important to us. 
And in some cases, it, it should be taking care of my family, for instance. That's a good thing to be important to me. But I don't really know. I don't have an end destination. I don't, I don't, there's never a point where I'm just like, my family's took care of now. Check. Because then we go to bed and wake up the next day and still got to take care of them. So this, this idea that we're going to uh, you know, finally get to the finish line of whatever this, this labor that we have is, it's a fallacy. It's, it's, something, it's something that we tell ourselves. It's a story that we tell ourselves. Sometimes just so we can make it through the day, if I can just get to one more. I make fun of Mandy all the time because for her entire life, she has just needed to get past one more thing. In school, it was like, if I can just get past this test on Friday, I can, I can breathe. If I can just get through this exam at the end of this, if I can just get through, if I can just get my degree, if I can just find this job, if I can just make it to the weekend, if I can, baby doll, you have just done one thing for 20-odd years that I've known you. That's, that's how, how she revs her engine up. I will say this. I've noticed this about her. As she's grown in her faith, she needs to do that less and less and less. She still sometimes does get like, like this. She's a teacher. Everybody knows how hard that is. I don't understand how we even still have teachers. That job's a mess. I'm so grateful for anybody that's willing to carry that burden. I'm not doing it. Y'all don't want me to do it. I'll be a mess your kids up. But even as she gets frazzled, I'm starting to see the, the fruits of her relationship with God. Because she just relaxes and prays. She probably still feels anxiety a bit. She'd probably admit that to you. But she's not just white-knuckling through the next thing anymore. Which is great. Because the thing after the next thing is just the next, next thing. Crew at the gym... He has a great saying, I like it a lot, where he says, you're in one of three places. You're going into a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're in a storm right now. You either just got through a storm, you are currently in a storm, or you're heading straight into a storm. When you look at it like that, it seems bleak. kind of is if you have to do it on your own strength. Fortunately, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Surrender to, to God. Submit to Jesus. The third invitation, learn from Jesus. And learn from me. It's, right, it's like halfway through. I told you, this job's easy. The words, they just say it right there. Learn from Jesus. Learn from me. This, this idea of learn, it is an interesting idea because it's not a head knowledge word in, in Greek. It's the same, it's, it's connected to the word of, of disciple, discipleship. It's that same idea. So it's not memorize how to spell my name. It's not learn, memorize the words that I said. It's not that. It's disciple, disciple under me. Be, become my active learner. It's an active imperative. Do something 
Now, become my active learner. So it's not like a, it's not like a thing that you pass the test and then you're, you're done with it. It's more like you, you, I don't know, maybe earn a degree and then you, you, now you get to go out and work. That's, that's a little more what it's like. I don't ever want to stop learning from God. I don't ever want to stop following Jesus. It's an active, ongoing. This language that he uses here, I think is very fascinating. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. God, Jesus, equal. The same. God, the creator of the universe. Jesus, salvation of me. The same powerful. He says, God has given me everything. The dude that owns everything, not just everything on earth, everything, everything. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You remember when his apostles were like, hey, can we call, when do we get to call fire down from heaven? When do we get that? Jesus has that ability if he wanted to. On his character sheet, he has fire from heaven written down as one of his superpowers. I don't recall ever seeing him call fire down from heaven. He had the ability to, but he chose not to. Why? He's gentle. He's lowly in heart. He's humble in heart is another way to say it. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If your soul's exhausted from the labor, if your soul's exhausted from the weight you're carrying, that's how you rest it. Learn from me. Come to me. Learn from me. I'm lowly and gentle. Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. If only we could teach that to the whole world. We should try. Let each of you look not on his own interests, not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Live for others. Don't worry about your outcome. Don't worry so much about the thing you want or the thing you think you need. Love others. Live for others. Keep in mind, that's what Jesus did. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Your soul is thirsty for God. It's thirsty for God. It needs God. You have made us for thyself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Our souls need God. It's, our soul is the connecting thread for my body to God. It's the connecting thread. 
I don't want to get into the like weeds of the Holy Spirit thing. I did ask PG, Pastor Gary, if the soul and the Holy Spirit were the same thing. Because the Holy Spirit and the soul, I, it's, again, it's, it's a weird thing to try to define. Just informationally. What I've come to understand is they're not the same thing. The reason being is because every human has a soul. But every human does not have the Spirit of God. And so they have to be two separate things. I think the soul is connected once you connect it to the Spirit of God. I think that's the conduit by which I can connect to the Spirit of God and God. But I don't have to, but I don't want to. There's a lot of people that choose not to, but they still have a soul. But if you don't connect it to God, it's thirsty. Thirsty. It needs that living water. Needs it. John 4. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. Talking about water in a well. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them. Giving them eternal life. This is when Jesus was at the well with the lady who he kind of put on blast a little bit. That story makes me laugh a little bit where he asks if she'll get him some water. And she says, "Uh, why are you asking me? I'm a Samaritan. You're not supposed to talk to me. And he says, if you knew who was asking, then you'd ask me for living water. And she says, tell me more about this living water. And he says, well, go get your husband, and then I'll tell you more. And she says, I have no husband. And... He says, you're right when you say you have no husband. You actually have five husbands. You've been married five times. And the dude you're living with, you're not married to right now. And she goes, whoa. But then he's gentle with her. He doesn't say, now get out of my face, sinful woman. And he's gentle with her. He says, let me teach you. Let me me help explain to you how you can get this living water. He doesn't make her go get her five husbands or the dude she's living with. He just says, let me teach you. Become my disciple. He's gentle with her. Learn from Jesus. Become his disciple. Some of that is head knowledge. Some of that is studying the actual words in this book. That's part of it. Some of it is prayer. It is, it is those things, the, the small pieces. But those things really are just fuel for life, for the life fire of becoming a disciple of Jesus, of walking how he walked, carrying your cross. But the thing is, my cross is so much lighter when I'm yoked to Jesus and he's helping me pull it. You notice, when we saw the picture of the yoke, there were two. That kind of yoke doesn't work if there's just one animal. So I'm not carrying Jesus' burden. So when he says, take my yoke, he's not saying, here, you carry this for me. He's saying, strap in, get in. I'll walk with you. I'll help you pull. That's how he lightens the load of my life. He adds his strength. 
And so I walk with him. And as I walk with him, hopefully I become more like him. And the more like him I am, the more I want to be like him. The more like him you are, the more you want to be like him. And then the people around you start to see how awesome you are. They remember how crazy you used to be. And they probably can still see you crazy a little bit. But they start to see the change in your life and then they want to know. They want to drink that water because they're thirsty too. Will you go to Jesus? If you haven't gone to him at all, the invitation's there. He's already done all the work. You can accept it or deny it. It's fine. But go to him if you're tired. Go to him if you feel like you're drowning. Go to him. Submit to him. Learn to be more like him. Become his disciple. Wherever you are in your walk with Christ, if it's completely absent of Christ, or if you feel like you have a strong working faith, these invitations are still there for you. Come a little closer. Come a little closer. Come a little closer. You've wandered away a little bit. Come back. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop trying to do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. If you could have done it on your own, you'd have done it by now. But you don't have to do it on your own. You're not alone. Wherever you are in your walk with Christ, you're not alone. Lay your labors, your burdens down at his feet. Walk with him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this comfortable building that we have to worship you. Thank you for the good message you always have for us. Even if it's just two sentences. Today was two sentences. But your word is so powerful. Your word is so pure. Your word is so good that those two sentences will power me for another week. Father God, help me to always grow closer to you. Father God, I don't know where everybody's heart is and it's in this room. You do. Wherever your walk is, Father God, I want to get closer to you. Father God, my life is heavy. I can't do it anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm broken. I give up. Father God, take it. I want your yoke. Father God, help me to be more like you. Help me to be more like the example of Christ. Help me to love. Help us to live for the people around us rather than for ourselves. And in doing that, help us to reflect your light, your holy good light into a scared dark world that needs you, that's trying to fill the void in their soul with anything they can get their hands on. And they're failing and they're failing and they're failing. And they're breaking down and they're breaking down and their souls are so thirsty. Father God, help us to take your water to those thirsty souls. That they will hear your message through the way we live our lives. Help us to be fearless. We love you so much. Amen.